up, you magnificent human being. I hope this week is finding you well and that you are staying positive. Today is the final episode of season two. It's episode 10. And today I speak with the most wonderful, magnificent, genuine and wholehearted human. And her name is Claire Walsh. How long can you hold your breath? Well, today we speak with Clara Walsh. She's an Irish free diver. She's a constant singer, a breath and wellness speaker and a daily sea swimmer. Claire is an eight time national record holder in Irish free diving and can hold her breath for six minutes. Now to put that into perspective, that's the entire length of Bohemian Rhapsody. To say I'm impressed is an understatement. Um, Amazing. Now the art of reading has led Claire to a lifetime of study and work, a background in theatre, a curiosity in movement, and not so much of a love of singing, but a need to sing and a grow for the sea has served a perfect playground to explore the possibilities and potential of breath in its many creative forms. Through her mission to better understand how breathwork influences the mind, body, voice and spirit, she has uncovered specialist ways to not only enhance her own performance, but her way of living, informing the methods for teaching others how to do the same. One of my biggest takeaways from listening to Claire as she spoke during this interview was her absolute passion and curiosity for for life and for where it can lead her. Having an open mind and an almost curious heart, Claire's story, it teaches us all to embrace life and to have the courage to say yes to the opportunities and, and remain open to see where it could take you. So without further ado, let's get into it. How are you? I'm terrific. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. I've been wanting to get you on this for, for ages and I'm so glad you said yes. And I can't wait to have the chat. Oh, this whole weekend. Um, brilliant. How are you doing? How are you, how are you surviving? Yeah, surviving, I think is the word. Surviving, yeah. working towards thriving, but it's more surviving just at the minute. Yeah. Your um, constant, lovely daily images from the sea have kept me going <laughs> because we have like we're, we're blessed here with the lake like but it's just not the same I just love the sea and I go on Instagram and first thing that pops up is Claire watches lovely lovely videos from the sea and I'm like yeah I'm happy now <laughs> well you either love them or you hit on follow one or the other no not at all no they, they've definitely kept me going uh so I really appreciate that so how are you and who are you and talk to me about who you are what got you to where you are today what got me to where I am today what a question um I think that's possibly one of my favorite questions to ever been asked and possibly the hardest um it's funny what got me towards where I am today is random acts okay I think that's probably the best answer I could give so to elaborate on that um you know I, I do all sorts of things 
um, some of them, a lot of them, are could be considered quite random, uh, quite eclectic. And each decision to try those acts, so for example, I've been a puppeteer, I've run a gospel choir, uh, I'm a free diver, um, and I've done lots of other, uh, you know, again, random things. And each, each time, each kind of build up to those events have been a random, sure, give it a go. A random encounter where I've heard about this thing that sounds kind of cool that I kind of curious in or curious about and I just want to you know I'll give it a go so <laughs> for me um what, what's led me to where I am today is lots and lots and lots of little random encounters I love it I actually do because it's the courage to just try and see where it goes and I'd be very similar to that mindset myself is just just let's, let's give it a go and see what happens. Yeah. I love it. For example, so I worked in Lambert Puppet Theatre um, for years. And, you know, how, you know, people ask me, well, how did you get into that? I said, well, I, I, I studied movement. I did work as an actor. Um, you know, I, I trained as an actor and drama and so on. But one morning I was walking to the car with a girl. She had been teaching drama, I'd been teaching singing. We walked to the car together. I said, oh, you know, what are you doing yourself? So I work, do a bit of work in Lambert's. It's like, no way, is that still there? It used to go as a kid. Gosh, that brings back memory, all the usual kind of nostalgia chat. Mm. And then a year later, like it was a solid year, maybe a year and a half, I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize and that's unheard of at this stage. Yeah. And uh, do I answer it? Don't I answer it? And uh, she's like, hi, I got your number through various people. Uh, my name's Laura, I met you a year ago. I'm looking for someone to help me out doing something in Lambert's. Do you fancy it? Yes, I do. I'll give it a go. I've never held a puppet in my life. So I gave it a go. And then I just wouldn't leave, actually. I kind of refused to leave. I think that's probably the most honest way. And I worked there for years. So, you know, how I got into puppetry is pure random. And it's the same for free diving. It's the same for kind of most of the things that I've done. It's incredible. Like, it's, it's I love it. And it's just... It's so unique. Like it's not very many people I've had in the podcast to say, yeah, I was a puppeteer. <laughs> so I love it. It's so unique. Um, talk to me about where you are today. Like what, what's your main goal? What's your main gig today? So what I want to do or what am I doing? What are you doing? And we'll get on to what you do. What yeah. Um, what am I doing? Um, I'm trying to keep ticking over, to be honest with you. Like everything, you know, it, it feels so it can feel so monotonous and quite closed in and definitely uh, loneliness for friends and family is a bit of a factor. So I'm just trying to create little sparks of excitement, uh, little sparks of curiosity, kind of uh, new information for my brain that make me, that take me down a different road of thinking. Because I think particularly at the moment, for me, it will be easy to fall into lethargy just watching Netflix and not having any new ideas and kind of getting caught up in that cycle so to try and throw in a bit of a curveball that takes me down a different activity or a different way of thinking or a different conversation that's what I'm trying to do at the moment in fact on my fridge I have magnetic letters so last night I put up uh, three words uh, everything I do I have to check which category this goes into. So the words are replenish, sustain, or invest. Okay. So, you know, uh, whether it's about eating or exercise, I need to just check which of this category 
to stuff fit into. So yeah, I'm basically, I'm trying to, I'm playing games myself to just keep myself engaged and keep the motivation up a little bit. I love it. And I, I did a, a course recently on neuroscience and, you know, yeah. the, um, all about mindset and stuff. And one of the things, and I was completely blown away by it was this, this act of repetition that the more that we repeat things, obviously the more familiar and the better we get at them, but also the brain stops needing to do what it's you know usually good to do and uh i was just came home and paula came home and i was like paula i said we need to go and learn something because our brains are dying covid is killing our brains so i was like what are you going to learn <laughs> and but it's so true i whenever i learn something new i actually feel more energy i feel a new zest for life and it, it kind of has this ripple effect that yes i am learning something but it has this ripple effect on every other area of my life. You know, you can talk about something, so you're deeper in the connections. I feel more energy because, you know, I'm, oh, I've just learned something new. This is great. And it's it's these small little tangible things that we can do for ourselves on, on the daily, really. I'm nearly dislocating my neck here. I'm nodding so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think something new, it, it makes you revisit what you do do in a new way so things yeah. that are, are more natural or more whatever part of your routine makes you look at them in a fre- with fresher eyes mm. um yeah so as much of that as possible please yeah absolutely and i was like you can't brush your teeth now with the same hand that you did yesterday you have to mix it up here i'm going around all day like you know just do little things little hacks to hack your brain yeah um so yeah that's been keeping us sticking over during lockdown <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, um, what are you doing new what, you know not so much new but just new ways of doing it so like getting out of the comfort you know getting yeah. out of 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 the habitual things that we do day in day out and just doing them in a different way so like the small act of brushing your teeth mm. i'm gonna use my right hand just use my left hand and it's this new experience that the brain is like what the heck is this but it's you're kind of reigniting so they say because of um what we're going through at the moment we're almost um, just acting out of our reptilian brain, which is our default mode, but it's our survival mode. So all it's seeking is comfort. So we want, you know, comfort food. We want what's comfortable, sit on on the couch and watch Netflix for hours. We'll do all these things because we're in that survival mode of of trying to stay afloat in the pandemic. But what we can actually do for ourselves in the instant is to switch off our survival mode just for a second and ignite and activate the prefrontal part of our brain which yeah. brings creativity, which brings oh, like logical thinking, all these wonderful stuff that we need. It's just to do something different. So i.e. brush your teeth with a, the, your different hand. That's what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Thinking about me before bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it, it's just interesting, these, these tiny things that we can do for ourselves just to get out of, like a lot of people say, you know, break your comfort zone. It's just mm. doing what you do on the daily habitually just different a little different like it doesn't have to be this grand notion of breaking the comfort zone you know but even I looked at like the sitting in a different couch you know like yeah. in our apartment we have one couch and then I sit on that couch and you sit on that couch and yeah it, like, it becomes so ingrained and then you come in and someone's sitting in your spot you're going whoa whoa where do I sit now it, it, yeah. it's incredible how much those habits uh, mean to us mm. talk to me about free diving because I'm very intrigued it's funny, the free, the free diving dreams started last night, and that's a very specific point in being out of the water, and mm. um, it happens. Uh, free diving. So free diving is the sport of holding your breath underwater. 
Um, it's measured in time. So there are different disciplines. So one discipline is measured in time. You're lying on the surface of the water, airways, the mouth and nose uh, submerged, and it's how long you can hold your breath for. Uh, the other disciplines are done in the pool, or some of them are done in the pool, and that's measured in distance, so how many meters you can go underwater. And then the final set is around depth, and that's how many meters below the surface of the water you can travel. And that's where my heart lies, um, in the open water, in meters underneath. Um, it, it's, it's really incredible. First of all, before we unpack that, how did you get into free diving? And I know it's probably this random act. Hey, of course Talk it is. Talk to me about this random act. <laughs> it's funny, like there's lots of different events that are kind of pop up in my head when I think about beginning free diving. Um, but the one that kind of comes to my mind the most is in Belize. I was backpacking, um, went on a day trip snorkeling. Um, I There was Australian lads on the boat. And we went off snorkeling and a load of them kicked down from the surface, went into a little cave, a little swim through and came out the other side. I thought this was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm quite competitive. I thought, oh, sure, I can give this a go. And my ears stopped me a couple of meters underneath. So very nonchalantly afterwards, I was asking them, no, what was that? And how do you learn how to do it? And they had said they'd done a course in Utila, so an island off Honduras, which isn't a million miles away, but it's a bit of a journey. Mm. So the next day <laughs> I booked a, a, a boat and um, a train, possibly a plane and a, whatever, another boat journey out to that island and booked my first course. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I, I can see this pattern of um, this curiosity spark that yeah. did this just Jim Henson, uh, obviously a puppeteer of the Muppets and Sesame Street fame, um, in his biography, he talks about playing with puppets with a playful curiosity. So mm. taking away the, the end product and just having a play. And it's something that stuck with me a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm not different to any other person and that, you know, we have shoulds, what we should be doing and, you know, goals and expectations and they can become quite heavy mm. and sometimes quite paralyzing. So when I approach something with that kind of element of playful curiosity and invariably I get a lot further, I try a lot more things. I enjoy things a lot more. Mm. So on that trip, I, 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 I said yes to new challenges and free diving, thankfully, was one of them. Epic. And you're an eight time is that right I have a few national records under my belt yes yeah, yeah. Amazing. um this 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 I suppose unpacking the, the going into the depths right mm -hmm. the, the second you said that my heart goes oh god because I just can't cope with I went scuba diving in Inish Baffin I'm going to say about four years ago more maybe and the act of going underwater I love the water I'm a water baby but I'm like freak out when I'm like in the depths so talk to me about that process of, of learning how to be comfortable in that um is it about your breath or it's about a lot of things but for me I've had the same experience with scuba diving I remember my you know your um open water paddy so I think you go to 16 meters I think is the limit you go to I remember having you know, the opposite, almost a vertigo. I remember looking up towards the surface and nearly freaking out. 
I don't know if it was just the spread of the water around me. You know, I had to really coach myself through it. Now I haven't done a scuba dive now in maybe five years. Um, but I had that always, always an element of that all the way throughout my scuba diving career, however brief it was. Um, I find freediving is so, so different down to the sensations, the focus. Um, so a lot of it beforehand, it is, it's, it's breath. It's using your breath to relax your body, to switch from that fight or flight into rest and digest, bringing the heart rate down. You know, that, that's, so when we're teaching a beginner, if I was teaching a beginner, that's what we would focus on. But I suppose as you get more into it, a lot of it is about what you tell yourself when you're uncomfortable. So if, you know, I've had a lovely preparation stage and I'm nice and relaxed and, you know, I start descending and a thought comes into my head, you know, I don't really feel it today. Mm. You know, it's interesting to see how you react to that. So as opposed to actually reacting immediately, creating a bit of a pause to just reflect upon that. Okay, well, you don't feel like it today. So let's see what you can do with how you feel at this moment. So it's about trying to be a little bit more in the moment, uh, taking away expectations, um, creating an awareness in your body, in your mind. It's, it's, there are many layers to it. <laughs> it's uh, something that fascinates me. And I love looking at all your, your photographs from, from the depths. Um, they're just, they're, they're breathtaking. They're incredible. Um, and it's almost this, I love the water. Um, I find it's almost that act of surrender, especially, and I know you're into sea swimming as well. It's that act of just, just letting things go. Um, And I often find the days where I really don't want to do it and I push myself to do it are the days that I benefit a hell of a lot more. So I'm sure kind of it's not on par, but very similar experience to that it's this act of, of letting go. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned through cold water immersion. And, and mm-hmm. I do a bit of Wim Hof breath work and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that art of, of just letting things go um, and it has really helped me in everyday life because I would have been a massive overthinker. Mm-hmm. I'd overthink if I came off this call with you now and I said something, it would affect <laughs> not just my day, but a week. Um, and I wouldn't be, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, no, I can't do that now. And I would, it would stop me from actually living life Um, and I've now since doing that cold water immersion and since doing the breath work I've just learned to just let things go Um, and the theme behind all that is I've done my best Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that has has one of the been the one of the biggest benefits that came out of all of that for me Uh, and it's something that I'll probably never let go of is cold water immersion and and breath work. But it is it's so incredible because it does you know, inversely, letting go gives you a greater sense of autonomy. Mm. You kind of feel a little bit more in control. It, yeah. it's, it's really weird. There is an element of, okay, well, here I am in this moment. I'm being true to my body and my mind as much as I can. And beyond that, I can do no more. Mm. So it is, it's, it's really empowering and really freeing. But for me, I, I definitely get a sense of autonomy. And maybe it's down to... Uh, the honesty of it mm. and, you know it, you know you can't bullshit yourself in cold water you can't bullshit yourself holding your breath underwater 
um, you can't lie underwater. It's what I believe, if there's something there, you need to go back up to the surface and address it. So I think it's, you know, you're working from quite an honest place. And um, yeah, I find that incredibly empowering. Challenging, but empowering. <laughs> So I'm curious, how long can you hold your breath for? <laughs> uh, five minutes and 59 <laughs> seconds is my personal best. Holy shit. <laughs> that's incredible. Like that's, that's, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, a decent enough number. Well, you're so modest. <laughs> no, it is. It's a decent enough number. And that's like, I know uh, there's a couple of girls they're around the eight minute mark. Wow. And the world record for a woman is nine minutes and two seconds. No, yeah, 902 and I've watched the video of that dive lots and lots of times and she comes up and um, and it looks like there was no effort at all and um, she's an, incre- an incredible free diver but yeah so there you know I think the longest for me has been about 40 seconds <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can get you to a three no bother <laughs> and you know what I actually think it's just more boredom than anything else I'm just like oh god I'm done with this <laughs> funny because I think that's one of the big challenges um mm. You know, when, when I'm talking people through it, you know, I say, well, how often do we do this in real life? How often yeah. do you have to sit in a sensation that's uncomfortable mentally and physically with no phone in your hand or no music or no TV on the background or no person to have a conversation with? It's, it's quite alien at this stage. Um, like, I think if I could scroll my phone underwater, I, I'd, I'd hit that nine minutes, no bother. Any distraction, I'd be fine. Um, so yeah it's a kind of fighting the boredom and kind of creating a relaxation within that that's the challenge as well and I, lo- I love it because it has this huge sense of of igniting what's inside you right so it's we're always maybe searching for that external you know distraction or validation or whatever it is but from what I can kind of gather with what you've just said it's it's, it's an all just this internal light that you have to just you know keep igniting yourself and it's it's yeah. building that power inside you which i i love um talk to me about that process of when you are underwater and when you are getting to that stage of like oh, okay this i could come up here now or and and that battle of i suppose where where does the where's your mindset at at that point i am um, actually it's the part i like uh yeah. so you know you so this type of breath hold is called a static breath hold because you're lying still so in a static um, there are different phases. So the first phase is relaxation and people use lots of different methods and um, visualizations, uh, body scans. I sing. I literally imagine the words going across the back of my eyelids like a karaoke machine and I just go through a song. It's just distracting. It's relaxing and it's a positive anchor for me. The next phase can get a little bit more uncomfortable. You're starting to feel a buildup of CO2 and um, this is the bit that I hate. This is the bit where, you know, this happens to me at about three minutes. Um, and this is the part where I'll stand up or I'll go, no, I'm done. I'm not, it's not happening today. And usually if that's when those thoughts are start coming into your head, like, ah, oh, you're just not feeling it today. You, you didn't have a great night's sleep. And you remember that pizza you had four days ago? Well, that's going to come up and revisit you. You know, so all these little things and, you know, that's a, I suppose a lighter version and then a heavier version would be like your shit mm. uh, what's your coach going to think if you come up at three minutes you know the absolute hacky you know you can really get pretty vicious at that point um so once I get through that I'm pretty good uh so I call the next bit the fight phase 
And when that's literally digging your heels in, gritting your teeth or not, trying try not to bring intention, but mentally gritting your teeth and going, right, I can ride this out. So it's when things get a little bit more extreme, that I tend to do a little bit better because all you can focus on is, okay, I'm going to count to five in my head and then I'm going to see how I feel. And then I'm going to count to another five. So it's drawing out the time by tricking yourself. But it's that middle bit in between that I kind of have to navigate. I have to trick my mind to stay engaged. I have to, you know, okay, well, maybe you don't feel super today. Mm. So what can you do with that? Yeah, yeah. I just draw myself back into it because it's easy to stand up at that point. Incredible. That reminds me of when I was doing that um, crazy run that I did at the start of last year. Like mm. in the training for that, I would, you know, slowly build up from 5K to 10K and, and yeah. so on and so forth. But kind of in, in doing the run, I realized that the first 4K for me, no matter what distance I was doing, yeah. no matter whether I was only doing 5K or 4K or 44K, um, that first 4K, it was this mental battle of just keep going now, just put one foot, I'll just run to the sign here now and then, then I'll run to the tree and I'll see how I feel. Sure, I can stop then. And you, you're, you're just fighting yourself all the time. But once you get over that hump oh. of, for me, for, it was always 4K. I could tell you the moment I hit 4K before I came up on my watch because my body would stop telling me it hurt. <laughs> my mind would become a little bit more peaceful and yeah. I'd start being nicer to myself. I could tell you, like, there's often times I've been out running for friends and I said, I bet you're at 4K now. And they're like, yeah, how do you know? I was like, because everything feels fine. <laughs> like, isn't it incredible? You kind of have to almost tea, well, I do anyway, and it sounds like you've something similar tease yourself into it because yeah. that that point your body's just got no no uncomfortable don't want to play mm. but the possibilities of when you can tease like mm. what's what's beyond that so if you can get past that point of you know having that fight with yourself and, and yeah. backing yourself I think because a lot of times I would have before would have said oh forget I'll just leave but I'll just do 3k I'll just yeah. do this and you're almost letting yourself down whereas if you can get past that and get past the inner critic you're into this more place of like well I can support myself now and I'm pushing myself you know that, that's why I use breath holds to teach breathing and um, because when you do a dry breath hold so what I would do here um so like a table mm. you see over, over the course of let's say a two and a half minute breath hold you begin to see a fluctuation of okay this feels relaxed this feels uncomfortable and then if you ride it out there is another period of relaxation and then there is another period of discomfort, but that, that will ease off a little bit. So you begin to see, you know, um, yeah, I guess a fluctuation or, you know, progress. And then at the end of that, there's a sense of achievement. And any time I do it where I stop at the first or second discomfort, I just feel so disappointed. Yeah. You know, going, oh, you know, I deserve to have that winning feeling. I deserve to have a sense of putting one in the bag today. And it's that note that kind of makes me go in the next time, the next round of discomfort, you know what, I'm going to push through this one because actually I deserve a win today. Yeah. And it's this idea of, I'm now starting to realize it's seeking discomfort. So a lot of the time, I suppose we're prone or we're told to, you know, find the job to love, do all this. And it's almost, yeah. all that is true, but it's, it's almost tricking our brains into find comfort, get into this comfort pattern. Whereas I'm starting to live 
kind of to this idea of well what's one thing I can do today now that will be discomfort for me well what's one thing that I can you know have that beginner's mindset on what's you know to not be the know-it-all or to not be this in that section or area and it's it's about putting yourself first that's what I've realized over the last couple of years it's it's about just being your own best friend because we have that inner voice that inner critic and it's almost self-defeating and if we can get into this mindset of you know I'm a mindset coach but I actually teach people to come out of their heads and into their hearts like it's that mm. soul like get, get into your soul of things you know and and really start to back yourself because that's what I've learned it's just that the head for me I don't know if it's the same for everyone else but my default in my head is a place of self-defeating prophecies that (laughs) really don't um, go against me or really don't go for me but it's when you can really get into the soul of things um, and that's probably what I seem to hear from the free diving and the breath holes and stuff it's it's kind of getting into the soul part and just about you know seeking discomfort or doing something differently or being in that beginner state again you know I think we're often fooled into believing that you know following your you know your path or whatever phrase you want to use that once you find it and start following that everything becomes easy mm. it's not you know <laughs> like you know being brave and you know creating the work you want to do um creating the life you want to lead creating whatever it is it's hard and there are definitely periods for me anyway of you know questioning it or um yeah self-doubt you know it, it kind of becomes part and parcel I, I do think there is an element of, oh gosh, it looked easy for her, it looked easy for him. It's not easy for me, therefore maybe I should just leave it. Yeah. Um, but actually, and I always kind of use the the image of like the pendulum. Mm. So motivation kind of like, woohoo, oh, not so good today. I'm back <laughs> and forth. And all of it is kind of part and parcel. Um, and I think that's terrific, kind of getting out of your head and into your heart and your soul. Like, that'll direct you far more through it than any sort of thought process mm. um, I'm curious as to did the I suppose the breath work come in when you started to to learn about the free diving or was there kind of always that growth yeah. beforehand and it, it's funny you know I, I kind of call myself a breath work coach but it I suppose what I do more is you know breathing awareness um, conscious breathing I, I trained um, in speech and drama when I was started when I was four years old and um, we learned about diaphragmatic breathing when we were eight you know in our annual exams so whether I understood it or not is another thing but I was able to recite what it was and say to the examiner when you breathe through your diaphragm you do x y and z so it's something that I've always been aware of and then you know pursuing singing lessons and um, uh, uh, drama in college breathing is a really big part of it so breathing for the voice um, and then puppetry and um, it's about breathing life into something ina- inanimate and funnily enough that has informed so much of what I know about the breath because <laughs> and this will sound strange but when you move a puppet and there isn't something at its heart or you know its breath it all just looks like a, a, a you know a, a crazy doll with the arms being shook but when you see someone and they kind of breathe life into it it does quite literally come to life like it's chalk and cheese and um, and that has re- always kind of stayed in the background of you know what breathing is or where it should come from and mm-hmm. um, so it's not the traditional route of learning about breath 
and it's not necessarily under one system and um, breathing for support for voice is probably what I know the most and then free diving then flipped all of this on its head and I learned what happens in between an exhale or inhale and an exhale so really yeah I suppose deepened uh, my knowledge of it and kind of really brought it into my own body so I was that puppet <laughs> it's incredible though because I first did um was it what was it in September or October of last year I can't remember now all the days and months have rolled into one at yeah. this stage um but Paula my wife she she bought me uh the Wim Hof retreat mm -hmm. down there and I so, you know. it was it was just so incredible and for me I actually came away from it quite I was emotional down there um but really realizing the power of the breath because at that time we had actually a friend of ours had had died mm. and it was just this this grief and I didn't realize how much I was holding my breath yeah you're constantly going around with this just that feeling of of not being able to breathe actually um and this tension and when I went down there I literally remember the the final day I think was the final day um it was a sunrise meditation and mm. Michelle did a, a restorative yoga as well and following on from that, Neil did the breath work and mm. I cried. I shook and I cried. And I was saying to him, I said, I've never, like, I'd never do that in public. <laughs> but I said, I've no control over it. And he's like, yeah, but it was just, you were breathing intentionally for the first time. He said, and there's so much power behind that. And that, that moment has always stuck with me that whenever now that I'm in like a bit of anxiety or tension, I'm like, well, we'll just fucking breathe, Kira, because we tend to not realize its importance and that moment just sounds so powerful I'm kind of thinking of other um scenarios in my head where there's been similar experiences and certainly any students I've worked with often would have moments like that but even so the example I'll use is is a choir so I, I taught a gospel choir uh, of uh 60 people and um, maybe 20 percent could sing and that didn't seem to be a prerequisite and you know a lot of it was about uh, using your breath to support so I, i'm teaching these women in their 40s 50s 60s and some men as well and teaching about diaphragmatic breathing and you know a lot of them found it quite emotional mm. but it's it, it, it's it's that same reason you know we are unaware of the habits we develop around breathing our grief is held in our breath and mm. um, pain, uh, various injuries we might have had over the years, how we express or don't emotion, everything comes back and is, you know, to our breath. So when we start to open that up, whoa, it, like, you know, goosebumps, but it, you yeah. know, it can be quite a floodgates, um, you know, to, to just connecting. You know, if everything is so held, when suddenly it's unheld, we're going, what have we been doing all these years? It can be quite uh, moving. It is. No, and I, I just, I can still remember that day as, as if it was yesterday, just how powerful it was that mm -hmm. even though I was feeling that intense emotion, yeah. I actually felt so strong. You know, that kind of way I felt like, actually, this is something that I've given to myself. I'm, yeah. This is within me, you know, and that combined with then with the cold water and the ice baths and all that kind of stuff. It was just oh it's just so powerful and I've just kept up all of it since and um yeah it's definitely got got me through lockdown <laughs> Incredible. yeah um I'm curious what are your um I, I like to call them non-negotiables things that you would not skip for love nor money that keep you true to you 
the sea you know I, I I'm from Leakslip so I didn't grow up right beside the sea um but I remember I had to move back a couple of years ago and I used to just drive out to Dunleary on a daily basis because I needed it if I couldn't be in it or swimming in it I needed to see it no pun intended um yeah, it, it definitely, and apparently, apparently you can notice when I don't swim every day <laughs> in my mood um, and in my manner and how I interact. So certainly that now has become a non-negotiable, whether it's a walk uh, beside it, um, a swim in it, or, you know, even if it's just pictures, even if it's just looking back through my phone, mm. I'm just getting that sense of connection. Um, without it, I feel quite unanchored. Um, yeah it's not a pleasant feeling another rule I've kind of tried to enforce a little bit more is no two days and um, I'm not 100% sure where the source of this is uh, my pal told me about it he'd read a book about a runner he said an off day is absolutely fine but if you have one you can't have two so the next day you need to make a small change and okay. um, and that has really helped me or given me permission to like it's fine a rest day is absolutely no problem i am experiencing long covid symptoms at the moment um, and that's a whole new way of kind of living so yeah i need a rest day so not to beat myself up about that that's absolutely fine but then the next day there needs to be some small change so that it doesn't you know fall into something that's just whatever a week on the couch eating crap and watching Netflix so yeah no two days I think is one that I've I found that really really has helped me mm. it, it almost reminds me of uh I would have something similar but it's it's two minutes so my rule is the two minute rule so it's you know when you just really don't want to like go out for a run go out for a walk uh do whatever it is that's healthy for you and that will yeah. be better <laughs> for you um, just tell your mind i'll just do it for two minutes so yeah, yeah, yeah. go to the gym there for two minutes i'll just walk for two minutes and so when you're out it's the getting out i find yeah, for me it's getting out of the house and into <laughs> outside world which is lovely because i can get stuck in this office for quite some time sometimes um and then get lazy and i know the best thing for me at sometimes is just getting outside or doing something and my mind will convince me just to stay inside so I'm going to use that one that's a good one two minutes yeah and it, and it helps and I, I say that all the time when I go running as well I'll just do two kilometers and sure then two kilometers later is two kilometers more so it's yeah good. yeah and um, so it helps talk to me about um plans for the future <sighs> yeah I'm almost I I'm afraid to plan <laughs> um, I'm afraid to plan I think I suppose my goal will be to get to Egypt probably um, as soon as I can and start training um, there is only so much I can do here but if I want to depth train which is which is what I want to do I need to go somewhere where I can do it mm. so you know they're the kind of goals that I'm working towards you know there are bits that I can do to help that so kind of again trying to foster that body mind connection in little ways making sure that there are moments throughout the day where I am connecting with my breathing and I'm not different to anyone else I'll go around I'll hold my breath or you know fall into those same patterns that everyone else does so just trying to make sure there are spots throughout the day where I'm checking in they will benefit 
you want to eventually get back to death and lung stretches and things like that kind of will be more part of my daily routine um, but yeah it's it's free dive free diving on the brain particularly in the last week um, I had a dream last night where I I let the sink flood my bedroom so it was filled with water then I swam up to the top which was my roof and then I was able to free dive down to the ground so when those dreams start happening that's when I go right okay you actually just need to get into the water at this time. oh I love it uh visualizing there now while you're asleep that's brilliant yeah um, absolutely talk to me I suppose we, we've spoken an awful lot about breath and the mind-body connection what's the most simplest things we can do um to bring back that mind-body connection so just a little takeaway for for people who are listening um anything at all um I'm a big fan of the the exercise around uh, the senses. So for me, you know, if I want to check in my breathing or if I want to bring myself into the moment or I'm trying to foster an appreciation for what's happening, I just check in with this with senses. So I name five things I can see, I think it's four things I can hear, three things I can smell, uh, if you taste or not, you know, so you just build through and um, I think the the act of doing that um, places you in your surroundings whether that's inside your apartment or whether that's out somewhere within your five kilometers it it calms the body the breathing follows suit and it just it, it connects you to the environment that you're in and just places you in that moment because you know mindfulness or being in the moment is so connected with you know breathing the kind of a lot of time go hand in hand so that's something that I do quite a lot a little pause a little pause just before I go into the water a little pause just before I get back into my car and just almost take in as much detail as possible into my senses save them for later for when I need it for when I feel like oh gosh I'm in my office for error number four mm-hmm. I just need to go back through that list of the things I saw what I could smell what I could hear and yeah so that's something that always really helps me I love it. I love it. That's powerful. And last question, because uh, it's all something I'm really curious of. What's one of your favorite quotes that you live by? Um, it's an Oscar Wilde quote. It's uh, a little bit cliche, um, but it's we're all at, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it about that quote that you find most inspiring? Um, for me it's 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 an acknowledgement of darkness that yeah you know there are dark times everything doesn't have to be bright and upbeat but you just need to maybe sometimes roll onto your back and there are there are brightness there is elements of light and joy and hope within that that's what it means to me i love it i'm gonna leave that there thank you so much that was epic um you're a legend and i uh, i really appreciate having you on the podcast thank you so much thank you so much for having me on thank you